Jesus, come to become more like Him. Lord, we come. So if someone were to ask you, uh, what, what is the prayer of Jesus, how would you answer? You can say it. The Lord's Prayer. Yes, exactly. Most of us would probably answer with our Father or the Lord's Prayer. And we wouldn't be wrong. We often hear this prayer led into by saying, we now pray as Jesus taught us. Right? But Jesus didn't pray just that one time. And he offered more than just that one example of a prayer. And although we don't take time to memorize those other prayers and say them week after week, we can still learn a lot from these prayers. And today we find Jesus praying for his disciples. It's a specific prayer. And it's specific in a way that the Lord's Prayer just isn't. The Lord's Prayer is given to us as a lesson from Jesus during his Sermon on the Mount about how to pray. He says, when you pray, pray like this. But this prayer that we have in front of us this morning is different. It's not an answer to a question about how we should pray. It's not a lesson on how to pray or not to pray. It's simply a prayer, one spoken by Jesus to God. And it's one that we get to listen in on. Now, Jesus is going to leave the disciples soon. He knows it's coming. He knows that he has done all he can do to prepare them for this separation. But the disciples do not. They don't feel ready at all. They feel confused, mostly, and afraid. They don't feel ready at all. And so Jesus prays this prayer in front of them. And it really does feel like one of those prayers that's more for the listener than the uh, prayer to God. I mean, instead of going off by himself to pray to God for his nearest and dearest friends, he does it right in front of them. So they hear every word. It's much more powerful that way, isn't it? I mean, think of it this way. If, if somebody says, I'll pray for you and walks away, is it more or less powerful than someone saying, I'll pray for you, and then they put their hand on your shoulder and they pray for you right there. Right? It's Hearing the prayer is powerful. So Jesus does not say, I'm not going to be here much longer, but don't worry, I'll pray for you. He says, I'm not going to be here much longer, and here is my prayer for you. And then he prays. It is so powerful to hear someone pray for you. And these disciples get to hear Jesus, the Son of God, for them. Just think for a second of a prayer someone prayed for you that you heard and how it felt and what they said and what you heard. Those prayers, often in honestly some of the worst moments of our lives, are usually the ones we remember the most. So, Jesus prays for the disciples in their hearing, knowing he's leaving soon, knowing they're worried about it. And so he has a few last things he wants them to know as they go out into the world, as they are sent out into the world. And with them listening, Jesus prays for three things. He prays for protection, for joy, 
and for sanctification. Now, while I read and prepared this week, I kept wondering of all the things Jesus could have prayed for in this moment. (laughs) Why these? Why didn't he pray to God to make everything better? Or why didn't he pray that the disciples' upcoming days would be easy and smooth? Why these three things? There's a school of thought that says, as Christians, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. Has anybody ever heard that phrase before by a show of hands? Yeah, a few of you, right? It's this, uh, it's a kind of a Christianese phrase, right? There's even bumper stickers. Yep, that means not of the world. So now you know when you see that how scary it is. Weird. Not of the world. Not of this world, right? It's on bumper stickers, so it must be true. Well, that's a joke. Come on, you guys. There we go. Woo, okay. This phrase is actually very confusing, in the world, not of the world. It implies that as followers, we are special, maybe different, or set apart, maybe better even. We are in the world, but we're not like the rest of the world. It really separates us. Now, the idea that we are in the world but not of the world does have its source in John's Gospel reading from today, but we have taken it kind of the wrong way. Listen how Eugene Peterson, pastor and author, puts this section of Scripture down in his Bible paraphrase, the message. He says, as Jesus, I gave them your word. The world hated them because of it, because they didn't join the world's ways, just as I didn't join the world's ways. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from evil. So they are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. I think being in the world and not of the world actually means we don't Let the world define us. As Christians, we choose to let God define us. And we go the way of Jesus, not the way of the world. This means we are different, but not that we're better or special or other. But because Jesus is calling us to follow a different way. That's the way that is looking for the lost and the broken and those in need of help and healing. That's why the earliest Christians were called followers of the way. They were in the world living a life that didn't quite line up with the way things were, with the status quo and the way things had always gone before. Now, the way of Jesus was not then and is definitely still not now the way of the world. And that is why Jesus prays for these three things. Before we are sent into a world that is different than how we are called, Jesus prays for protection and for joy and for sanctification. In this world, this world of borders and boundaries, this world of power and principalities, this world of anger and division, oppression and corruption, this world of racism and homophobia and sexism, this world of terrorism and nuclear threats in this World, right now, we still need the prayer for these three things. We need protection, we need joy, and we need sanctification. Now, we need protection, first of all, because life is hard. 
Obviously, that's not a surprise to any of you here. And our faith in God doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. It doesn't even mean we'll be okay all of the time. And Jesus understood that. That's why the word used here in Scripture is tereo. It means to keep or watch over. This is a prayer not just of protection, which feels like guarding, but more a prayer of presence, that we will not be left to face our life alone, that we are sent out, but we do not go by ourselves. We will be cared for in the presence of bad things. In an interview this week, author Kate Bowler, uh, who's a professor and author diagnosed with stage four cancer, whose book, by the way, little PSA here, we'll be reading together this summer as our Prince of Peace One Read, was asked how she came to find closure or hope after the difficult realization that being a faithful person didn't somehow exempt her from experiencing bad things. She said, I think the great surprise for me was that God is there no matter what. It's, it's not one that requires effort even, or correct belief always, or the right kind of prayer. When I was in the hospital, God was somehow there. And in the worst moments of my life, for some reason, there's more than enough. And that's just the Holy Spirit. That's the only prosperity gospel I'm super into. The one in which, for some reason, God chooses to fill in all the cracks. And sometimes we get that experience and sometimes we don't, but we know it when it is happening. God goes with us, and so we go into the world protected. Secondly, Jesus prays for joy. And again, I don't need to tell you how much the world needs joy these days. People seem so angry so tired and worn down and really kind of joyless sometimes. Now, joy is different than happiness. It's different than feeling good. I read a definition this week in a Bible dictionary that joy is grace recognized. I just think that's so beautiful. Joy is grace recognized. So having joy requires some sense of awareness on our part, some awareness of God, what God is doing in the world. When we recognize grace, even in the hard, terrible moments, then we can and do experience joy, even at the same time as fear or sadness. Jesus reminds us again in his prayer this morning that because the disciples know God, they will be able to have joy. They can recognize grace. Last week, Pastor Chad ended his sermon by reading a devotional written by Mary Luti, where she reminded us that this life of faith is all about joy. She said, it was always about joy, the joy we know when we know God. How often we long for joy, thinking we can do more things to get it, when the promise of today's prayer is that it is already in us because we belong to God and we know God. Joy is grace recognized. And lastly, Jesus prays 
for sanctification. It's this big old churchy word, and if we're honest, we might turn our brains off a little when we hear Jesus say it because we don't really know what it means. Sanctification means to be made holy. So Jesus prays that his disciples might be made holy. Jesus says, just as I have been made holy, make them holy. I started thinking of this word this week and wondering how often do we really see ourselves as holy? How often do you think of yourself that as a child of God, you are made in the image of God and that is holy? What would it look like to really see God in ourselves and in each other? What would it look like to see ourselves as beautiful and glorious and holy and enough? You have been sanctified. You have been made holy already. You are holy already. Jesus has told you so. I just can't help but wonder how the world might change if we really believed that we are already made holy. This past Thursday in the church, we celebrated the Feast of the Ascension. It's the day where Jesus returned to God by ascending up into the sky while the disciples watched. Jesus left just like he said he would, just like he tells the disciples about today. And they just stand there. And looking up at the sky, Luke 24 is this great moment where an angel appears and as they're all gathered around looking up saying, why are you looking up at the sky? And I sort of imagine these guys being like, um, because Jesus just floated away and that was bananas. Also, he's gone and we have no idea what to do, so we're just going to stand here until we figure it out, okay? So it is no mistake that Jesus wants us to be reminded in these moments where we're standing here wondering what to do next, that we are sent protected and not alone with joy down in our hearts like the kids sang and made holy. It's a prayer that reminds us that we don't actually get to stay here looking up at the sky. We are also sent. These are the things, protection, joy, sanctification, that Jesus prayed for his disciples then but is still praying for us now. It is this last point that is important. That this is still the prayer Jesus prays for us today. And this is important because I think when we think about Jesus praying for us or when we pray for ourselves, we, we don't usually ask for these three things from Jesus. In fact, if Jesus were right here praying for me, I'd kind of want him to pray for the things that I'm afraid of, right? For my way to be made smooth, for my life to be easy and pain-free, for my loved ones to be okay. And instead, Jesus prays the same prayer for us today, on this day and in this place. So, a practice I sometimes do, fully aware that I am not Jesus, I know this, but I am someone who is called to lead and love a community of faith. I wrote a new prayer for this day 
trying to imagine what Jesus would say to us gathered here, this room full of disciples and Christ followers. And I want you to hear these words and imagine Jesus is praying for them within your hearing, that Jesus is praying these words for you today. God, I am teaching these children of yours all that you wanted me to teach them. They are yours. They have always been yours. They will always be yours. They know you because they know me. So I'm asking on their behalf, because they are yours and because I am not going to be here in the same way as I've been before, I'm asking that you stay with them and protect them because I know that you'll do this. But I'm asking this because I know they don't know this and I know how they get God. I know they get scared and stubborn and filled with doubt But I also know that they are yours and they do not go alone. And in those moments when they remember they are yours, oh, that is just the best, God. When they remember they are yours, they are filled with courage and joy. When they remember they are yours, they see you in each other. When they remember they are yours, it doesn't matter that the world does not love them back. Because it won't. The world is broken, and the people in it are broken, and the world needs to know you, God. So I don't want you to take these disciples out of the world, even though that would be easier. Even though I know they'd prefer to be in a bubble far removed from the broken places and people, I'm going to send them into the world just as you sent me into the world, to be healers, to break down barriers, to erase lines to love you have made me holy God so I make them holy because we are yours and we are one so we can then take your holiness and your joy and your protection and your grace into the world with us Come in the name of Jesus, come to become more like Him, Lord we come.